Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Matt Filippovitz. Matt, what's going on? Bill, I am on day two of my protest against the Big Ten for denying the Indiana Hoosiers the right to go to the Big Ten title game. I am chained up outside of Big Ten headquarters here in Chicago, and they will not remove me uh, until they go back on their word. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, like, I'm trying to imagine if, you know, Penn State had its ducks in a row. And Penn State was in the position that Indiana is in right now. You know they've won- they lost to Ohio State, but uh, they're in second. They're comfortably in second place. They're easily the second best team in the division. Uh, Ohio State didn't meet the arbitrary number that the Big Ten set at the beginning of all of this, and now Penn State isn't going to be going to Indianapolis. Like I would be boiling right. Like I'm already. Like I, I'm, I know you're there too. Like I'm already really bummed out, even beyond the fact that we have a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of Indiana friends at the site. Like I am really bummed out because I thought it would have been cool to see Indiana in that spot. But like, man, could you even imagine if Penn State was the team that had this happen to them? Um, I actually would have gone, and I would have thrown a tantrum <laughs> of the Big Ten headquarters. I, I could like. This season is an asterisk anyway. Like, so you can be like, whatever, let the best team in the Big Ten win the Big Ten. But also, like, it doesn't matter. Like, everything does not matter for this season. And it would just be so much fun for Indiana to get that chance. Ah, it's such a – it's like, ah, I understand it. Like, I honestly think it would have happened for any team in this scenario. Like, if any team was 5-0, I I think they would have done it. Uh, But it's just like, of course it's Ohio State. Like, of course it has to be Ohio State in this. It's it's not fun, but – Right. There are 13 other fan bases in the Big Ten that are 100% convinced Ohio State has preferential treatment over them. And, like, this just, like, this isn't going to make anyone feel any different about that. Like, it, it just really stinks. And it really stinks for an Indiana team that has had, you know, they have had one hell of a season. Like, what they've done all year long, uh, even against Wisconsin when Michael Penix Jr. was unable to play, going into Columbus and, ta- you know, just taking it to Ohio State, really putting a good scare into that, like, everything. I hope they end up getting a, a spot in uh, the Rose Bowl or some other uh, major bowl game. But, uh, unfortunately, we are not here to talk about Indiana football. We are here to talk about Penn State football, the Nittany Lions. Go ahead. I think it's about time Kevin Warren made a bad decision. I thought he he was getting too popular amongst amongst the Big Ten fan bases. Oh boy! It's about time. He, it's about time. Could you imagine a worse start for this poor guy? So oh the funny God. the funny thing about that is he had everyone already hates him. One because he like he, he probably didn't defumigate the Jim Delaney out of that office. So like that was that was probably a big part of it. It probably still like reeks of Delaney in there. Uh, but then like. Half of big half of Big Ten fans were furious at him for saying we're not playing in this fall. The fall we just cannot play in the fall. It's not safe. And then the other half of Big Ten fans got mad at him for going like, "No, dude, you made the right decision." And now you're like backtracking on that for reasons that I won't get onto this podcast because one of the few one star reviews that we have uh, on Apple Podcasts is saying I don't listen uh, to your for your takes on COVID. So I'm not going to do that. But like, that is literally, that is literally how things started for this dude. Everyone being mad at him. And now he's just doing the most big 10 commissioner thing there is of being nice to Ohio state football. So everything is going great in the world of Kevin Warren. Oh, God almighty. Fun time. I hate this conference, man. Uh, <laughs> you, you got fired about that. I, I did. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let, let's get back on track by talking about something I decided we don't hate, uh, which is the Land Grant Trophy. Uh, Penn State's going to be playing uh, for college football's most famous end table this af- this weekend, uh, December twelfth, noon kick. Uh, it's recently moved to a noon kick on ABC uh, against the Michigan State Spartans, two and four on the season. Um, they're real bad. Um, I think that everyone expected Michigan State to have some pretty serious growing pains as it was uh, getting used uh, to the Mel Tucker era. Uh, Mark D'Antonio didn't exactly leave 
the cupboard overflowing. Uh, but this has just not been a particularly good year for Michigan State. They have an inex like even for how bad Michigan has been this year, they have an inexplicable twenty seven twenty four win over Michigan, and then they have an even more inexplicable twenty nine to twenty win against Northwestern. Otherwise, lost to Rutgers by eleven, blown out by Iowa, blown out and blanked by Indiana, blown out by Ohio State, and their game against Maryland uh, got canceled due to COVID. Um, before we get into that, Matt, uh, I just, you know, we didn't have you on uh, the most recent podcast. Uh, I feel like Penn State fans have been talking a lot in the last uh, couple of days just about some of the big things that emerged from uh, the Rutgers game. So I'd love to just briefly pick your brain and say, like, hey, what did you think of, uh, of Penn State's win against Rutgers last week? Yeah, I'll hit you with, uh, I'll hit you with three things. Uh, Brandon Smith's a superstar. He's getting uh, there. He is figuring it out, man. This is awesome. He he looks like an absolute baller out there. And I, I really hope people don't compare him to Micah because that's totally unfair. Mm-hmm. Like, I hated that with Miles Sanders, too. Like, he, it's his own unique brand of greatness. And it, it's getting really fun to watch him figure it out. Like, it was fun to watch Micah do it. it it's going to be the exact same kind of trajectory. I, I, that's really fun. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. is a stud. Um, what a fine he was. To have, like, a 6'2 corner who can bully dudes. Granted, it's Rutgers. I get it. But, like... Still, all year long, and he's only getting better. Yeah, he he takes he takes half of the football field away when when oh he is God. on his game. Like he has stuff that you just cannot teach cornerbacks: size, length, athleticism, and like dude's a dog. Yeah, he's like he plays. You can tell he's a son of a coach. He plays smart, man. Like oh, I, I'm I love Joey Porter Jr. That that's that's my favorite thing about this year. And lastly, is that. We were right. If Penn State just didn't turn the ball over in those first few games, they're probably like five and one. <laughs> like when this team doesn't turn the ball over, it's I can see what Kirk Sherrock is trying to do. And, and I get that he's had to adjust a little bit. And I think a lot of that's because he hasn't had time with the entire offense. But I, I like what I see. I, I think we're about now at the point in a normal season, you know, with the amount of practices they would have had in, you know, through spring ball and summer ball. Like this is what I would view probably like week two of a regular season, like just where they're at practice hours wise and like actual real practice reps. And it's easy to see what they're working towards. I've liked what I've seen. The offensive line looks really good. I think Phil Troutwine's really have those, having those guys figure things out. And I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to see the rest of the way. I hope, you know, they can get a win here against Sparty. And then I hope, you know, whatever the crossover game is going to be turns out well. And I hope we get a fun bowl game. Like the fact that that's even on the table right now, if there is a bowl season, but I digress. Um, but still, like this has just been it, it's weird to be excited about a win against Rutgers in late in early December. But still, like it, it feels it feels good that Penn State football does not make me want to gouge my eyes out for right now. And of course, I say that uh, on the eve, pretty much of the Michigan State game, which always makes me want to gouge my eyes out. Yeah, I, I said it on uh, the the recap pod, and I really do think that. We're seeing that Penn State, like, if it hasn't been hammered home yet, that Penn State was just really, really hurt by not having a, uh, by not having those kind of early season games. Like, it's really getting hammered home now as they're getting to a point where they're, um, you know, as they're getting to the point where things are starting to coalesce, they're starting to figure some things out, um, yeah, just a weird season, weird team, and there are a few things more weird than this game on uh, the horizon. Even if this wasn't a matchup of two teams that aren't particularly great, Penn State, uh, as as we sit here, 14 and a half point favorite. The total is 47. Uh, I'm not going to calculate the assumed odds because I can't do that just off the top of uh, the assumed scores. I can't just do that off the top of my head. Uh, but that's not a particularly fun football game. Um, Matt, heading into this one, it seems to me like, and I hate that I'm phrasing it this way, it seems like this is going to be one of those games where the first team to score like 21 points wins. This assumes multiple teams will score 21 points, which I, which I don't think is the case. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think we can see some points from Penn State this week because it's going to be like, what, December 12th in State College? It's supposed to be like 50 and overcast. COVID absolutely ruined this year. 
because we had great weather all year long and I'm super bummed about it. But anyway, it's not like it's going to be like the rainy, disgusting games we've seen in the past. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree. I think this is going to be whatever team, you know, punches first is going to be the one that I think could run away with it. Like I could see, you know, Michigan State scoring first and then kind of doing what they did to Northwestern or what they did to Michigan and where it's like, how did, where has this team been all year? But I, I can also see them taking a good punch there and then just not having the horses to keep up. So I think starting fast, which is something Kirk has done a really good job of making sure this team starts fast over the past couple of weeks, uh, is going to be crucial. So I look looking forward to kind of see what they have to to roll out here early on. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the, it, it's funny, like I going back to the Indiana game, I think like the first thing that I tweeted uh, for the blog account was that we got one heck of a debut from Kirk Shiraka. And when Penn State's not turning the ball over on uh, opening drives, they usually seem like they have some level of comfort with those. Uh, it's it, it's just the next 10 to 12 um, that end up being problems for them. Uh, looking at this game, I think when we look at it on both sides of the ball, Matt, on one side... I think this is ultimately why I think Penn State is going to win this football game. When you look at Penn State's defense against Michigan State's offense, it is just so hard for me to see a path for Michigan State, a team that is last in the Big Ten in yards per game, that is uh, second in yards per game. Is that correct? If I remember right, uh, they are at 319.7 yards per game. They are at 95.2 rushing yards per game, which is the second worst That's mark in the Big Ten. And they're at 17 points per game, which is the worst mark in the Big Ten. Like, Michigan State, like, it's so hard for me to see the path to them scoring too many points. They've ran it 208 times this year. They've thrown it 203, which indicates to me that nothing has worked. Like it's not a matter of, you know, we're looking to find balance in our offense or anything like, no, like you can't throw the ball particularly great. Uh, You can't, they have eight passing touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 12 sacks. They're completing 54.2% of their passes as an offense. Like, they're running for 2.7 yards per carry. Like, woof, I didn't know that. They have, Matt, Matt, they have two rushing touchdowns on the year. One is by their backup quarterback and one is by their punter. Are you serious? That's awesome. That rule. Oh, don't get me wrong. That's, That's amazing. Objectively rules. If you're going to have a bad season, at least have a bad season where your punter's tied for your team lead in rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, God almighty, just not a good football team uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that if we saw one thing against Rutgers, it's that Penn State's defense is starting to get into a bit of a groove, starting to figure a couple of things out. Uh, We saw that against Rutgers. We saw that against Michigan. I think it's possible that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Penn State's going to blank Michigan State. It might end up being really hard for Michigan State to score all that many points. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into two little tangents here. Um, the first thing is I am I've seen this song and dance before, where the defense looks good, and then all of a sudden some bum quarterback goes out there and completes 98% of his passes, and they're all screen passes for like 300 yards. So I, I'm not ready to sell yet. Uh, j- just be, or I'm not ready to buy yet, just because I've seen this song and dance one too many times. If if they string this game together and then follow it up with a with a good closeout maybe i'm ready to start buying in that that this team is and brent Pryor figured some things out um but i'm going to take this time to slander mark d'antonio because i think he left this cupboard so bare and i think now we're starting to see that those successful years that michigan state had were really only because michigan had something called brady hoke as their head coach ohio state was sanctioned and penn state was sanctioned and Michigan State got hot at a really good time. And now I think they're kind of returning to the norm. Uh, but but this offense, like for a lot of D'Antonio's years, is just bad. Rocky Lombardi has nine picks, which is tied with Sean Clifford for the most in the Big Ten. He's also played in one fewer game. Like, I have no <clears throat> excuse me, I have no idea what they're going for. Like, this has just been 
an absolute meltdown of a season. And, and I think, you know, maybe it would have been different again, if they had a normal off season, but there's not much to like, I have no idea what they're going for. And, and I hope Penn state's defense takes advantage and, and plays with a lot of confidence and, and knows that they're the better unit. And if they can do that, I, I think they could blank them. I could easily see that. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, uh, the 24, seven, uh, team compo- team talent composite rating Michigan State is seventh in the Big Ten uh, behind Ohio State Penn State Michigan Nebraska Wisconsin and Maryland uh, just not a program it, it, it's so funny I think that there is what we imagine Michigan State to be and what Michigan State is a lot of the time and a lot of the time Michigan State is a team that just figures out ways to win gross football games this year it hasn't exactly been that and their offense is uh, a major reason why you know I went through I mentioned their wins and losses uh, but after scoring 27 points in back-to-back weeks against Rutgers and Michigan, seven against Iowa, zero against Indiana, 29 against Northwestern, which, you know, just kind of throw your hands up in the air uh, with that one. That, that That's Michigan State's one dark arts game uh, of the year, I suppose. And then 12 against Ohio State. Like, of those 12, uh, two of them came on a safety at the very end of the game. Uh and then, like, the rest of them came in the second half. Like, they're just not a good offensive team. We mentioned their inability to run the to throw the ball. You went through and mentioned some of the issues uh, that Rocky Lombardi, their signal caller, has had this year. Uh, they've been giving a little bit more run to his backup, Peyton Thorne, who hasn't exactly been fantastic either. Then their top two running backs, uh, Connor Hayward, 60 carries, 190 yards, 3.2 yards per carry, his longest 14 yards on a rush. And then Jordan Jordan Simmons, 42, 147, 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, they've actually had a third running back, uh, Elijah Collins, who's ran it 40 times for 93 total yards. Like, just... Yikes. Yeah, like, I don't know where Michigan State ends up getting points from. But if there is one thing that I do know about Michigan State, it's that they could usually supplement that with a pretty good defense. And if there's one thing that Mel Tucker can do, he can uh, coach up a defense. He uh, was it uh, was at Alabama uh, as their defensive backs coach for a year. Went with Kirby Smart to Georgia. Was Kirby Smart's defensive coordinator before heading uh, over to uh, Colorado, spending a year in lovely Boulder, Colorado, uh, and. Michigan State, it's been similar. They've it's actually been a very funny thing about this Michigan State team and what they have been able to do statistically on defense. I'll end up pulling uh, up their SP plus numbers shortly, but if you look at Michigan State's defense in terms of yards, they are one, two, three, four, seventh in the Big Ten. In total yards uh, allowed, uh, they are seventh in the Big Ten in passing yards allowed. These are both per games. Eighth in the Big Ten in rushing yards allowed per game. And you hear all that and you go, okay, like at least they could stop teams from moving the ball. They are tied with Michigan in scoring defense, 34.5 points per game, 207 Total points allowed. Uh, same, the exact same number as Michigan. Only Rutgers, which has played one more game, has allowed more. I mean, There's still a good. Minnesota. What was that, Matt? Minnesota has. Minnesota has allowed more, not Rutgers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, apologies. No, no disrespect to uh, the fighting uh, Greg Schiano's. Uh, have SP plus up right here. Michigan State on the season, 120th in SP Plus uh, offensively, 17th in SP Plus on defense. They at least are good into on that side of the ball. The number, the scoring total doesn't back it up, but they could do basically everything else, Matt. And I think that creates an interesting uh, situation for Penn State where, listen, we know they're going to be able to score some points. Moving the ball might end up being a little bit difficult. I think a big reason 
for like why they're uh, giving up 34 and a half points per game. Also, apologies to you on the Rutgers thing. Rutgers has allowed more total points, but Minnesota is allowing more points per game. It's nothing makes sense because nobody's played the same number of games. So my apologies to you there. Um, but a big reason why Michigan State's giving up so many points is that their offense turns the ball over so much. Like we've seen it a lot this year for Penn State. Like it's hard for a defense to get off the field when an offense starts in plus territory. Like this is this is a unit that's constantly playing, you know, with their heels on the goal line, basically. Like it's very easy to see this. It's it's no indictment on the actual talent on that side of the ball, which is which is for sure there. It's not what it used to be, but th- this team is like you said, what is it? Seventh in pass, Russian eighth defense or eighth in rush defense. Uh, it's clearly better than 13th in terms of or tied to 13th in terms of points allowed. So this is for sure going to be a, a bigger challenge than I think people might think when they see those numbers right off the bat. But with the way Penn State's offensive line has been dominating with how smart Sean Clifford's been with the football, with how well Devin Ford and Kayvon Lee have run the ball, I think we can this is going to be a really good measuring stick for where that Penn State offense is. So I'm actually really excited to watch a really fun chess match here. This should be really intriguing. And I think if Penn State can put up 28 points, I think that is outstanding and going to lead to a win that will cover this spread easily. (sighs) 28 points covering a 14.5 point spread is just – Again, teams have been able to score on this this defense 38 24, 49, 24, 20, 52. I think that as we've seen Penn State, one, as Sean Clifford has really started to place a premium on not giving the other team uh, the football, which, you know, I I hope he is able uh, to keep that up. Uh, it's been really the thing that has hurt Penn State this season. Like, they're just not, they just have not been particularly good at holding on to the football. And the major reason why has been Sean Clifford. Uh, I, I think he's gotten a little bit more settled when it comes to not giving the other team the football, which, you know, Godsend, uh, you really do not want, uh, you know, you just generally do not want to see Sean Clifford doing that, and he has gotten better at doing that. Uh, Michigan State is a an okay team uh, when it comes to takeaways. They're right in the middle of college football uh, in takeaways per game. I think that as long as Sean Clifford isn't just giving them the football, which is going to mean as long as Sean Clifford is making smart decisions in the passing game, because I have full faith in Devin Ford. I have full faith uh, in Kayvon Lee, Kazai Holmes, however they use him, you know, the running quarterbacks as guys running the football, that they're going to be able to move the ball in this defense. Just don't shoot yourself in the foot. It really is that easy, especially against, uh, a Michigan State defense that they're going to be well coached. They're going to have uh, a you know they're going to have a good game plan. I just don't know the extent to which they will be able uh, to really make stuff happen. They've you know a couple of guys in Drew Beasley and Michael Fletcher who have been able to pick up a few sacks on the season. Uh, Antoine Simmons, a talented linebacker, uh, has been able to make some plays in the backfield. But on the whole, they have one player, uh, Shocker Brown. He has five interceptions on the season. Nobody else on this team has an interception. Uh, So, like, (laughs) I don't want to say it's that easy, but just throw away from number 29 and you should be, uh, you know, the odds are going to be on your side. Matt, as you look at Penn State heading into this game, uh, you look at what we've seen out of the offense in the last couple of the weeks. Is there anything in particular you really want to see them do, um, you know, to kind of end this season on a strong note and this regular season uh, before we get into whatever this weird Big Ten postseason thing is uh, on a strong note? 
Uh, real quick, I think Michigan State, if I read that number correctly, they have 10 total turnovers and five are from one dude. Like, that's five, insane. Five, but five, shows, five are interceptions shows. from one dude. Uh, no, he has not recovered a fumble, unfortunately. Okay, so I think they have 10 total in six games. So it's clearly a team that wants to go after, after the football, and that's what Mel Tucker kind of made his money off of. So hold on to the ball, take care of it, don't make bad throws, and you'll be fine. Uh, but in terms of what I want to see, I want to see them throw <laughs> the Will Levis package um, because I, I don't think that's a long-term thing to keep in your playbook. It, it's fine short yardage, but you know you, you did it against Michigan, who's bad, and Rutgers, who's bad. Like A, a good team is going to snuff that out pretty quickly. So I think you need to have a nice little pass option. Do like a fun jump pass. That'll be cool. Um, I want to see the more receivers get involved. Parker Washington was banged up, banged up last week. Um, haven't heard anything that says he won't be a go, but if he's not, and if it's a minor injury, that could be actually be a good thing for Penn State long-term get, you know, Keandre Lambert Smith in there, get Daniel George involved a little bit, you know, kind of see what else you have in that room. Uh, so I really want to see that. I want to see them spread the ball out a bit more. Um, and then I think I really want to see young guys in the defensive line step up. And, and I don't think, it's all that likely, but it's very possible Penn State has to replace all four starters along the defensive line next year because Shaka Tony's probably going. Uh, he would be going, but the extra year kind of adds that. But for all intents and purposes, Shaka Tony's gone. Tony Shelton's gone. Jake Snowy's probably going to go, if I were to guess. He's had a good year. And then P.J. Mustaver's been playing like an animal. Like, you could realistically lose all four of those dudes, and you've got to start figuring out who can replace them. So I really want to see young guys. Devon Ellis, Hakeem Beeman was out last week. I hope he comes back this week. Fred Hansard, he's an older classman at this point, but I think he's playing really well. Judge Culpepper, Adisa Isaac. I want to see kind of who is going to be that next great wave of Penn State defensive linemen because that has – Excuse me. That is what the Penn State defense has made their money off of is having that great dominant defensive line. So if that's the case, they got to find who's taken over because they will not have all that much time to figure it out before they have to go to Wisconsin week one of next year. So start trying to find answers to that question as soon as you can. Yeah, I mean, I think you you do it in a way that is respect. That, that pays respect to the fact that, like, Lamont Wade, Jaquan Brisker, those sorts of dudes played a lot of football for Penn State. Uh, you know, uh, Antonio Shelton's played a lot of football for Penn State. But, and, you know, some some dudes on the offensive line, uh, Michael Mennett, Will Fries, blah, blah, blah. Like, y'all, I, y'all know where I'm going with this, but basically start to – so start making it so the eventual handoff to the next generation of dudes is a little more smooth. Like take, take safety for instance. Like I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, you know, there, th- I, I want to see Lamont Wade play zero snaps in this game. Cause like th- there's no chance that happens, but maybe get Jair Brown, a couple of more in that position. Maybe give a guy like, uh, Tyler Rudolph, a few extra snaps at linebackers, start folding, Start letting some of those younger dudes, like Curtis Jacobs got two snaps last week. Maybe let him get a little bit more of that. Lance Dixon ate into Jesse Lukita's snap count a bit last week. Let him eat into that a little bit more. A few more for Nadisa Isaac or Fred Hansard, uh, Devon Ellis, those sorts of dudes. Start having a long-term plan. Well, start showing what the long-term plan is to an extent. Uh, Again, don't go out there and press the... Uh, you know, nothing but young dudes playing for the rest of the game button. But I'm really on both sides of the ball. This is just what I want to see a little bit more. I want to see more Caden Wallace and Juice Scruggs as the right side of the offensive line. I'd love to see Mike Miranda get a couple of snaps at center or something like that. Just those sorts of little things and start having a longer view. Now, hopefully they can do that against Michigan State. I think... My my basic prediction on what I think this game is going to look like, Matt, and what I kind of think this game is going to look like, that Matt, is probably something that is similar-ish to last year's game between Penn State and Michigan State. You know, Penn State won that one 28-7, um, y- you know, Sean Clifford had four passing touchdowns, but his, uh, like, let's see, his long was 38 yards to Nick Bowers on a non-scoring play. I think 
basically Penn State is going to – I don't want to say nickel and dime Michigan State, but I think they're going to say, like, listen, we'll take four yards a pop. We'll take smart plays in the passing game. We're not going to let them do anything. Michigan State last year threw for 4.2 yards per attempt, ran for 2.7 yards per attempt. I think we're going to see some stuff like that. I think an ugly game, something in that 28 to 7 range, 28 to 10, uh, does sound right to me. I don't think this is. I think if you have plans on Saturday, you shouldn't cancel them to make sure you can watch this game. Uh, but I do think that it's going to end up being uh, a good way for Penn State, you know, get on a three-game winning streak, potentially a four-game winning streak going into the very, very end uh, of this season. Again, I don't know if I can in good conscience recommend that anyone watches this game other than uh, the turn it on at the very end to hopefully see Penn State hoist the land-grant trophy, but I think they're going to end up winning this one. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, so I have it at uh, 35-17 is what I have in the piece that'll go up tomorrow. Uh, I think more realistic is going to be 35-10, to 10, uh, but I'm going to toss on an extra touchdown because it is senior day, and I really would like to see uh, all the seniors get a chance to have you know a final curtain call and, and have them jog off the field, uh, kind of like that one-by-one by one thing that I know basketball does. So I think we're going to start seeing a youth movement come in here uh, when the game feels safe, uh, probably a bit earlier than usual, just because I think Michigan State's that bad. Uh, but I think Penn State wins this one comfortably, and, and it should be a fun one. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that it's nice weather because I really want to see them start to air things out a bit more. I think that could be a, a really big growing point for this offense. So because we didn't really get a chance to dive into that with you, I, I think that leads to th- this This affords us an opportunity to talk about the Will Levis package. Um, you mentioned what you want to see. You want to see them throw out of it to some extent. I have my general reservations about using the Will Levis package just in general. What do you think about it? What do you think about how Penn State is using it? Do you want to see them do use it more? Do you want to see them do more out of it? Do you want to see them start scrapping it? Like where, especially with a game like this one where it's kind of, um, you know, they're playing with house money more or less. Where are you and how you want to see them use that package during this game? Look, if it works, use it. Like, it worked fine against Rutgers. I'm very much of the mindset that you don't need, like, the traditional, you know, five linemen, quarterback, running back, whatever you want. Like, the game's evolved. Like, get your dudes on the field. Like, it doesn't have to be these same guys. If there's a package that works in certain sets, run it. Like, I have no problem with it. Um, I have the issue comes from... Every time Will Levis was in, 17 snaps, 17 run plays, 17 runs by Levis. Like, that's that's not smart. That's not a long-term solution. But I think the Levis package has a place in this offense. I don't know if it's as prominent. It's probably not. The package needs to be thrown out of. But, you know, if the dude can play, let him play. Like, you have 85 scholarship players. If you can say we can use one of them now instead of waiting to see if we're going to need him as a backup quarterback down the line, that's just smart. Like, I'm fine with it. Find out a way to make it a long-term option, but if they need it right now to get through and pick up a first down, I'm I'm never going to criticize them for using it because it's been working. Uh, Then uh, last thing about this game, uh, what is your favorite thing about the land-grant trophy, Matt? My favorite thing about the land-grant trophy? I thought it was fake when I first saw it. Um, The laser (laughs) picture. I thought it was fake. I really didn't think it was a real thing. I think like, when I got to college is when I'm like, this is really a thing, huh? Um, the laser picture is really funny. Um, so, have you seen uh, the the YouTube video that is basically just quick clips of the Land Grant Trophy's greatest hits? And it's set to... <laughs> I have seen that. Uh, it's set to um, Michelle Branches everywhere. And it includes a couple of actual pictures of the Land Grant Trophy. And then it has it like there for the famous shot of Muhammad Ali celebrating... Uh, a knockout it has it there for uh the jfk assassination like a few other things it's quite good the only, i think the worst part about the land grand trophy for me is that not enough people know about it 
Like, it's such a shame that it's for, like, a very obscure game like Penn State, Michigan State, because I feel like if more people knew about it, way more people would care. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so stupid. It's funny because I also feel like we get we can get a little too, like, overzealous about it. Like, I feel like we get into the land-grant trophy, and it's mostly just an attempt to achieve equilibrium. Uh, but have I ever told you my... It's not a land grant trophy story. It's just a notification that I, uh, uh, not a notification, a thing I noticed uh, when Penn State won it in 2016. No, but I'm excited now. So 2016, obviously everyone remembers that day. JT Barrett or whoever it was wasn't short against uh, Michigan. Ohio State ends up beating Michigan in double overtime. So if Penn State beats Michigan State, they end up winning the Big Ten. Close game of the first half, second half, they blow the doors off of Michigan State. Penn State wins the Big Ten. Everyone goes on the field after the game to celebrate with the Big Ten Championship trophy. And that is being passed around from player to player. Everyone's holding it, looking at it, hoisting it, kissing it. So, like, all the stuff you do with a championship trophy. And while a bunch of players are holding the, the uh, individually holding the Big Ten Championship trophy, at all times there were two offensive linemen propping up the land-grant trophy because it's just so gargantuan that you need two offensive linemen to carry it around at all times. And that visual was just incredibly, um, incredibly funny to me. Uh, it, it weighs, uh, give me a second, checking on Google, it weighs 76.2 pounds. Uh, and it also looks like it, like they were supposed to make a trophy for this game, and then uh, the guy who was tasked with making it forgot uh, until an hour before the meeting where he presented it to everyone. And as a result, we now have uh, the greatest trophy in all of sports, and it is going to be on the line this weekend. It's going to be on the line uh, in a game that I hope Penn State wins. Uh, Matt, any final thoughts on this game? I love that because we've all had a project that was due that we forgot about in an hour and we've just hobbled it together. But this poor guy now has to live with it. Uh, when, when was the Land Grant Trophy? I'm assuming it was post-93. Um, g- give, me, give me a second. This is why, this is why God made Wikipedia. Um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Aren't you happy that you... Uh, listen to this podcast, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I actually can't. I- I'm sure it's somewhere, but I- there's no way. There's no way. The first one was in 1914 when this first game was played. Uh, first <laughs> off, from from the Wikipedia page. Um, oh wait, 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 wait. Uh, I'm assuming it was the sure. The Big Ten. Yeah. The trophy, from its Wikipedia, the trophy is infamous for its unwieldiness and hodgepodge appearance, uh, which is just a really good way of describing um, the entire thing. Unwieldiness and hodgepodge appearance is a really, really lovely way to um, put together. But no, I will, uh, I I will, um, give me a sec. Because, damn it. The first, no. Content. No, because now I want to know that. Like, it's got to the point. Okay, I will let this. Oh wait. Okay, yes. Uh, according, uh, according, according, according uh, to uh, Colton Pouncey of the Athletic, it is 1993. Okay, that makes sense. God, just what? The 90s ruled. Uh, they they had their perks. Uh, yeah. Any any final thoughts on this game before we uh we we move on to what we're ending this podcast with? Uh, uh, no, no other thoughts. Um, it's been fun. Um, hopefully they come out with a win because I have seen projections for the Duke's Mayo Bowl. So that would be, oh yeah, also Sparty's wearing cool uniforms this week. That's fun. Oh yeah, they're wearing their, um, they're wearing their, uh, what is it? Like throwback logo, uh, helmet uniforms and they're really good. So shout shout out to Sparty for that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would like the Duke's Mayo Bowl quite a bit. So let's, uh. Let's let's have Penn State go to that one. Um, when I was in college, I once got advice from both you and the Duke's Mayo Bowl, and it was the Belk Bowl on a presentation that I had. If you remember that, oh god, why why don't I remember that? What what was the presentation? I don't remember. All the time. I was in I don't know. It was in some comm class. I tweeted at I tweeted at the old Belk Bowl if they had any advice, and you responded, and I wrote them both down on 
cards and I forgot I put them in and I started laughing during my presentation, but I still got like a B. I was happy with yeah, it. Yeah, that's all that matters. B's get, C's get degrees, so B's True. are uh, going, going above and beyond. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Penn State basketball, Matt, because um, start entering this season, uh, how, how do I phrase this? Um, the waters were a bit choppy. I think that's a pretty... Um, fair way of putting it, but so far Nittany the ice Lions... cap you were climbing had melted. Correct, yes. Uh, yeah, Penn State had been... Uh, Penn State basketball had been consumed by climate change. Uh, but, right now, 3-1... and one, uh, Climb it change. Started... Climb it change. Yes, that is correct. Uh, started the year uh, blowing out VCU, then a, uh, a VMI, then a close win over VCU. Uh, game against Seton Hall that we'll talk about uh, very briefly, uh, and then... Re- on Tuesday, just beat the brakes off of Virginia Tech, uh, a Virginia Tech team uh, that had previously beaten uh, Villanova. So Nittany Lions, 3-1 of the year, 52 in Ken Palm, 25 in uh, adjusted offensive efficiency, 64th in adjusted defensive efficiency. I mean, we won't go nearly as in-depth as we will uh, on whenever we decide to do a full basketball podcast, Matt, but what has stuck out to you about this basketball team this year? Uh, Everybody can score. Sam Sessoms is great. Uh, Brock had a great game against Virginia Tech. Like, when they can – Virginia Tech shut down Seth Lundy, who was averaging, like, what, like 18 a game coming in? And if you can get a win by 20 when your leading scorer doesn't score, that's a pretty good basketball team. Uh, shout out Jim Ferry. I didn't know he had a thick New York accent until I heard him talk the other day. That's fun. It's like, it's like Brett Brown never left. Um, so that's always fun. Uh, well, well, this is Boston. But, Brett, you know. Brett Brown is Boston meets Australia meets a little bit of Philadelphia meet like all all these wonderful ac- accent. I have asked Brett Brown questions before, and I've had to refrain from smiling because, like, I knew the next thing out of his mouth is going to be like. There's nothing more important than the the collective spirit of our group or whatever, and you can't help but giggle at that. But no, like for Jim Ferry has that thick Long Island accent, but it is very much not um, Brett Brown, whose accent can only be described as a New England sweater. <laughs> That's such. Hey, I made it pretty far without mentioning the Sixers. Uh, they don't make me mad anymore because they have good people. Anyway, uh, no, I mean, the team's deep. Like, Trent Buttrick's giving them good minutes. That's probably not a long-term thing, but, hey, that's fun. Uh, they move a lot more, I think, than they did under Pat. Like, there's just more just movement in general, finding dudes getting open. Uh, Sessoms can see the floor. Like, no college player I think I've ever seen. Like, he had he had this great dish to dread against Virginia Tech where he went baseline, and the ball just shot out. And I'm like, did he dribble off his foot? And out of nowhere dread came in and hit him in the three before he really got his feet set and it was fantastic uh you know i don't have my hopes up too high but if i can get a couple more weeks of having some fun with penn state basketball that's more than i get from most seasons so good for them good for jim ferry good for jamari wheeler good for john Hare and all those seniors that, that's a good time yeah sesame's very much comes off to me like one of those dudes who if he wasn't 510 in uh you know if he's a 6-2 point guard in high school i can imagine he's not going to a school like Binghamton and then not being this like under the radar transfer for Penn state. But he's been like, I've been really impressed by him. I mean, I don't, he's one of the more, uh, heady point guards that I've seen, uh, Penn state have. He's like, one thing that I really value in point guard play is when you have that, like you have that, like, metronome quality to you where you just understand pace you understand uh when to attack when to take the ball out when to go when to push in transition when to say okay you know what let me uh let me slow things down let's get into our stuff on offense and let me get us into our stuff and I think Sessoms has that in a way that you know, really takes this team to, uh, really makes this team fun to watch when he is in the game. Like, I- I'm glad you mentioned the way that they move. Uh, I don't know if they they fly around, they move around, they share the ball uh, more than we've seen out of past Penn State teams uh, because they actually do that, or whether that is um, merely just, uh, you know, just due to the fact that they don't really have that clear cut night in night out Lamar Stevens, Tony Carr, DJ Newbill uh, type of dude. They have to play a more egalitarian style of ball, but you know, you mentioned that and 
Right now, Seth Lundy's at 16.8 points per game. Isaiah Brockington's at 14. Myron Jones and Sam Sessoms are both at 12.3. They're shooting the ball way better than I thought they were going to. Set all on very small sample sizes, mind you, but you know they have four guys uh, on good you know, relatively good volume, hitting more than 40% of their threes. Isaiah Brockington's at 36.4%. The worst shooter of guys you expect to be good shooters is Myron Jones, who's at 8 for 26, you know, 30.8% all the year. And I have every reason to believe that's going to, that's going to stabilize in a positive direction. Like, I was very impressed, Matt, watching them against Seton Hall and watching them against Virginia Tech. Seton Hall and Virginia Tech are not, like, I think they're both perfectly fine basketball teams. I don't think Virginia Tech, you know, they were ranked 15th. I don't think they are um, the 15th best team in the country uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Ken Palm on both of those teams uh, Virginia Tech came into that game 26th. Seton Hall came into that game 58th. Penn State wasn't just better than both of those teams for two hat. I, I mean, for as much as they were. Penn State kicked the hell out of Seton Hall for half of that game. Penn State kicked the hell out of Virginia Tech for all of that game. Three of the four halves they played against those two teams that, you know, aren't world beaters but are very respectable basketball teams, they were way, way, way better than them. And I think that's probably the thing that gives me the most optimism. On the nights when they have it, and it might not be every single night, especially not in uh, a Big Ten that looks very, very, very tough this year. But they could very easily on any given night, I think, take it to any team in this conference. For sure. To to borrow a phrase from you, um, if you have good guards, you can go far in college basketball. And that's what Penn State's built on. Real Uh, real quick, real quick to to interject. I actually have uh, to give credit on that line uh, to Jamie Dixon because he had uh, – it was 2000 and uh, let's see, I believe, yeah, it was 2014, my senior year, or 2013, hadn't quite turned to 2014 yet, my senior year at Penn State, uh, Penn State at um, at Pitt, it was a very, very, very good Pitt team, uh, Penn State went into that game with Tim Frazier, DJ Newbill, uh, Penn State lost 78-69, Tim had 27, DJ had 18, and Jamie Dixon after the game said, if you have good guards, you have a chance. That Penn State team had good guards, which is why um, they ended up winning their postseason tournament. I'm not going to correct that. And uh, this team, I think, also has very good guards. Was it CBI? What tournament are you talking about? Shut up, Matt. It was, it, was, it was. I honestly don't remember. It was before my time. Was it, was the, the it was the year they went to the CBI. I would rather That's not awesome. talk about this anymore. Also, they didn't win That's that CBI. Awesome. So again, I'd really rather not talk about this. Uh, but yeah, I, you look at the guards that they have: Sessoms, Jones, Wheeler, Brockington, Dread. That's six really good college basketball players. So I, I apologize for interrupting, but like, no, you are you are a hundred and ten percent correct. Yeah. Um, so then two quick points. Uh, John Hara is going to set a record for most charges taken. That dude takes a beating every night. Um, get Abdu more playing time. He's become like a cult icon in this house since he swatted some dude on VCU and looked awesome doing it. Um, and then, you know, to your point, like I'm not saying this team's going to finish 500 in the league. That's such a lofty goal. But like Penn State is the reason you can go far in college basketball with good guards is because there's not very many dominant big men. And I think Seton Hall might be the best big man built team Penn State's going to face, and they should have won. So I'm not saying that means much, but I guess it's Luca Garza, but you know, let's, let's be on the point. That's only one giant dude as opposed to Seton Hall had like four. Um, but I think this team is really built to, to kind of hold their own. So we'll see what that means. Um, but again, like you said, if you, if there's, if you have guards, you got a chance and 
after what I saw out of Seton Hall and how they were able to kind of roll with dealing with a with a big without having that dominant big on their own and they held their own, I'm optimistic. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I I mean I I mean I I think that Luca Garza is going. <laughs> he might he might slap thirty and twenty on them like that. That game might get ugly. Um, but otherwise, yeah, like I. I feel an optimism about this team because even if they're not like, even if they end up being not great, you can see the path for them being fun. And unlike past Penn state teams where I feel like it would take lightning in the bottle for them to, uh, you know, knock off a top 10 team in the nation that's in the conference. I don't necessarily feel that way. I feel like on the nights where their shots are falling when they're able to get into their stuff, when their front court isn't in a ton of foul trouble, they have the potential to beat just about anyone. And, you know, they have a guy in, uh, you know, they have a guy in Miles Dredd who is very willing to take and make big shots. They have guards in Sessoms and in Wheeler who are, who have done a really nice job this year of initiating the office again, having that metronomic quality about them. They have a guy in Lundy who, when Seth Lundy's shot is falling, when he is on his game, the stuff that he can just do, him throwing 31 on VCU was wild. They just did not 31, 32 on VCU. They just didn't have anyone who could deal with his physicality, his ability to get to his spots and his ability to pull up and shoot over dudes. Like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say Seth Lundy is a pro or anything, but that's like NBA level NBA type of stuff that if you're going to be a one-on-one player and you're going to be a guy who takes the kind of contested mid-range jumpers that Lundy likes you got to be able to knock him down, and he is able to knock them down, and he is really good at getting himself away. Like, there's just so much to like about this team. There's so much that I think is going to be fun about following this team, and I can't wait to see uh, what they end up doing with it. Uh, Matt, I'm going to wrap up this podcast here. Any any final things you would like to say about Penn State basketball? The guts on Miles Dredd to take that three Ooh. as time expires for not hitting one all game, that's what you need. Like, that, that's awesome. Um Final thoughts on Penn State basketball. Uh, it exists. That it does. Uh, much like music, Penn State basketball exists. Um, yeah, that's a, that's it for this edition of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you're subscribing to us on all of our various podcast channels. If you want to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that one. Make sure you keep reading and supporting the site by going out, buying shirts, buying hoodies, everything that we offer up. And make sure you're following us on what was that? Signing day is coming. Be sure to be sure to yeah, stick to the site. We're gonna have fun signing day stuff coming up. Yeah, signing day is just a re- or the, well, the start of the early signing period is just around the corner. We're gonna end up having some fun stuff in the cards for that. So make sure you're following along on all of our social media channels so you can keep up to date on those sorts of things. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. For my co-host Matt Filipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Nick Saban is too short to lift the Land Grant Trophy.